everybody, we're back. It's avoiding the puddle. As usual, I'm here with MYK. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's up, Bears? Everything's going great, man. This last weekend was a very Tekken-heavy weekend, for me at least. Uh, I wasn't prepared for WCG to be such an entertaining uh, event. Uh, for those of you who don't know, WCG was last weekend, and uh, that that all occurred, and there was uh, all these foreign players here, and we got to meet all these players from countries that, like that I didn't even know they had electricity, let alone fucking Tekken, you know? <laughs> so, crazy countries, and all these players were here, but before we get into WCG, I just quickly wanted to congratulate you, because you recently got sponsored, so tell me a little bit about who sponsored you, and what events you'll be making it to. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, I've been talking to uh, Mike Mike Whitson over at uh, BorderlandGaming.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, I've I've told him like you know, do you guys want to pick up a Tekken player? And uh, I really want to make it out to MLG, and that's one thing that Street Fighter doesn't really have right now. So, you know, we kind of went back and forth on emails, and eventually in the end, he was like, okay, uh, I'll help you get out to um, the next MLG, and. Uh, that's pretty much about it. Cool, man. That's cool. So, so for people who don't know, that's the the sponsor that has also sponsored Juicebox, right, from the Street Fighter community. Yeah, that is correct. Okay, cool, cool. So you'll be making it out to the next MLG, and uh, you know, I, I wish you luck for that one. I, I I don't think I'll be able to go to that one. I'm gonna try and make it out to uh, the the last one. I think it's in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I'm going to really try for that one, but that's really cool. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to have a couple uh, players from SoCal at the next MLG. Uh, so I'm going to be rooting for us. Um, but anyway, moving on, like I said, WCG this past weekend, uh, man, it was really interesting because I thought that WCG, I didn't know anything about WCG, to be honest. All I knew was that it was going to be whack. That's pretty much what everyone said. I knew that the qualifiers were online for America. <laughs> I knew that I didn't participate in it, and I knew that I didn't really give a shit about it. But as it got closer, from people, I kind of heard that WCG is kind of a big deal, and for other games at least. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll go check it out. And I went over there. It was at the L.A. Convention Center. And, man, they really spent a shitload of money on this thing. I mean, the <laughs> event hall was crazy they had so many they had like this big ass flaming chandelier in the middle it was like this huge <laughs> event hall with the stage the, in my opinion the stage was way fancier than the stage at uh at togeki the stage at sbo oh, wow. was not even close to this fancy you know they had like all these crazy lights and flags and all this shit and you know it was really like expensive looking you know like the, a very sponsor heavy event and um I was I was uh, expecting the tournament to have laggy TVs, but I actually I heard that the TVs were pretty good, and then I played on them myself, and the, t- the monitors were actually pretty good. So the Samsung SyncMaster or something like that. Right? I don't even know what it was. I don't even know what monitors they were, but I played on them. I had I played a couple of uh, long sets on them, and I was really impressed with the uh, latency on the TVs. So. It's starting to shape up to be a pretty cool tournament. You know, I'm like, wow, all these foreign players are here. The TVs <laughs> don't have lag. You know, it, it might be a legit tournament. Until the commentators go. Well, that's that's a little bit later. We'll get into that <laughs> in a minute. But the first day, 
<laughs> well, first of all, the the people running the tournament do not know what the fuck they're doing. They, I mean, it was totally disorganized as far as running it. Um, people would be like, oh, okay, you're going to be up in five minutes. If you're not here, I'm going to disqualify you in five minutes. And then, like, people would scramble to find people who weren't there, and they'd be like, oh, never mind, it's going to be an hour and a half. <laughs> I was like... What the fuck, dude? You were about to disqualify me in five minutes, and now it's an hour and a half? And then, you know, the, the way they, the rules are there, it's really retarded, too. Like, it's a round robin in your pool, and oh. then if it's a tie, you don't play each other. You count the number of rounds you've won. What the fuck? Yeah, it's like, first it's matches, and then if there's a tie between two players in a pool, instead of those two players playing to decide who wins, they just... Record the round count, and then they make it out like that. So an interesting story that occurred is uh, in Bin Chang from Korea, in his pool, Ryan Hart was in his pool. So what happened was Bin Chang was kicking the shit out of everyone in that pool. But if – and then he beat Ryan Hart. And if Bin Chang won that pool, made it out of that pool in first, he would have had to play knee the next day. So what he decided he would do is he decided he would lose to some dude from Russia, right, on purpose, uh -huh. so that he could then play Ryan Hart, who he already beat already, and lose to Ryan Hart, which would make Bin Chang leave his pool in second and Ryan Hart leave his pool in first, making Ryan Hart play knee the next day and Bin Chang playing someone else the next day, right? He tr so he tried rigging it to make it out of his pool in second. But he wasn't aware that WCG is ran by a bunch of idiots, and they're not going to make him play Reinhardt again. They're just going to count the rounds out. <laughs> and so his plan backfired, and he ended up fucking making out of his pool, making it out of his pool in first anyway. So that didn't work out. That was like an interesting uh, uh, turn of events for them. Reinhardt was hella pissed, too. He was like... You know, yelling at the referees and saying, "What the fuck? This guy could just rig this shit." Whatever. <laughs> There's a picture of him online too, that where he looks really pissed on the <laughs> WCG. I haven't seen that, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was pretty interesting. And then, um, let me see, what else happened? Uh, yeah, so pretty much that there was there was the pools, but then it got to the matches on the main stage, and those are the ones that I kind of went there to record on my uh, camera. So I got there and I'm sitting down next to SP Man, and we're kind of watching. And I realized that these commentators are real idiots, right? I'm like, okay, these guys, they don't know what they're talking about. But, I mean, immediately, like, it only took, like, a few minutes for me to realize not only are these guys bad commentators, but these guys are, like, legendary bad commentators. <laughs> like, the worst commentators you on ever the find. history of anything. I have never heard anything this ridiculous in my whole life. Like, at first, I was just like, oh, man, these guys don't know shit about Tekken. But the some of the things that they were saying was so preposterous that, like, like <laughs> I wrote down a few quotes. You guys should totally check out my YouTube channel that we have for Avoiding the Puddle. Uh, it's YouTube slash Avoiding the Puddle, I think. And I recorded a bunch of matches with these commentators. You can hear everything they're saying. But I wrote down a couple of the quotes that they said. One of the things that he said is about Al, he said, those two perfects must have boosted his position exquisitely. I mean, the, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and then he said they called combos multipliers. They kept on saying he got him with the multiplier. I don't know what the fuck that means. He said he was talking about Brian, and he said Brian is a very versatile character. And then he said grabs, punches, and kicks. 
What does that mean? That doesn't sound very versatile at all. And then, like, you know, they kept on calling Rage Rage Aura and how it's very detrimental. And, like, just some of the shit they said was just so unbelievable. And then he he kept on saying, like, you know, we're here at the WCG World Final in the beautiful city of California. I was like, what the fuck are you talking (laughs) about? These guys weren't even foreigners. They were white dudes. I mean, the beautiful city of California, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, so yeah, it was just, at first I was frustrated with these guys, but eventually it was really entertaining. Like, I couldn't wait to hear what they would say next, you know? It was just like, man, unbelievable. So big shout out to, to those three jackasses that were doing commentary. You guys really made WCG entertaining for me. You guys really pulled through, so I really enjoyed that. Did you, did you even get to watch any of, did you go? Um, I, I mean, I was I was at the I was at the hotels playing a couple of the guys like on Thursday and Sunday, but uh, I only watched the uh, the recording of what you made on YouTube for uh, GM versus Nia, and that's about it. Okay. And I was like, yeah, these guys are pretty retarded, man. It's like every time they were going to rage, like, oh no, he's in the red light. Yeah. Just gotta get him with those kicks. Yeah, like, they they said that. some just amazing stuff, like. You, no one could predict that shit. It was just unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, I, I went to, I watched the, I went to both days of the Tekken tournament, and I watched some of the matches and stuff. And then the interesting thing was after the tournament, at the hotel that everyone was staying at, they were getting a lot of casuals and money matches and stuff. So there was a lot of interesting matches, and you know that was a lot of fun. Um, and then tell me, I, I heard that Harada on Sunday. I didn't go on Sunday. I heard Harada entered the room where everyone was playing on Sunday, right? How did that go? Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, he came in out of nowhere, and then uh, Murray came in. Michael Murray came in as well. Mm-hmm. And then we just started chatting with Michael Murray and, you know, talking about Tekken and little history tidbits and here and there. And then Harada uh, asked Murray, um, like, you know, like little specific things about the games. Like, oh, what do you guys all think about? how the movement is in this game and like how the stages are and and then we you know we gave our little opinions and Harada listened so who knows yeah. that sounds really cool that sounds really really cool and uh you mentioned that uh you watched Ryan Hart beat down Harada like 16 <laughs> games in a row yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you were saying Kazuya is going to be hella shitty in the next game cuz yeah. Ryan Hart owned him up it was funny because like Kane just looked over at me. And he's like, "Fuck, man, <laughs> he's gonna take out Kazuya in the next game." <laughs> <laughs> Remove one of his arms and shit. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was really cool. I mean, Harada was there for most of the weekend, and uh, I actually got a chance to just sit down and have a quick interview with them. I asked them a little bit about Tekken Tag One and uh, you know some other stuff, and it's real short. But originally, the the interview was on video, but the video quality came out really shitty. So I turned it into an audio file, and we're going to go ahead and release it uh, along with this podcast, so you can check that out. Um, but my editing skills are really shitty. It took me, like, 17 hours to edit this, like, <laughs> this, like 15-minute video into an audio file. And, yeah, it was it was hard fucking work, dude. I don't know how to use the, you know, computers and shit. So I finally got it, and we'll release it with this podcast. But, uh, he, uh, you know, at that after I took that interview with him, I had a really long conversation about Tekken in general, and we were just talking and stuff, and Harada told me this really interesting story that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, when he asked me what, you know, what are my opinions on changes should be, that should be made on the game, the only real thing I kind of mentioned, uh, other than UI changes, uh, is that I think that chickens should do more damage because of the amount of anticipation it takes 
to do them, I think that they don't give they don't do, give enough reward, right? Yeah. So he was kind of agreeing with me a little bit, and then he told me the story of how chickens came to exist in Tekken. So apparently, the way chickens came to exist is originally the idea of chickens was the chicken was supposed to pop up on the bottom right and bottom left of the screen when both players are turtling a lot. So if they aren't attacking at all, eventually a chicken would pop up. But two days before the game was shipped, they found out that they programmed that incorrectly, and when the chicken would come up on the screen, it wouldn't say chicken. It would just pop up on the screen. So then they were like, what the fuck? Why isn't it saying chicken? And then they later found out that when you do the reversal to a reversal, which is a chicken, what we call them today, by accident... It says chicken. Like, for no reason, when you do that reversal to a reversal, it says chicken. And it's not supposed to say it there. So they were like, fuck, you know, this shit says chicken in the wrong place. But they were just like, fuck it, we'll leave it in. And then they just left it in. For all these years. Yeah, for all these years, because people started calling them chickens. So they left it in for all these years, and then on Tekken 6 console, they decided that they would try removing it to see what people think. So they removed the chicken... Uh, soundbite from when you do a chicken but then unintentionally because the voice of the person that says chicken is the announcer you know the guy that says Bektosan or whatever when you pick him mm-hmm. um, that same voice does the soundbite for Jack when he winds up you know his one two yeah. three <laughs> so that same voice does that voice so when they remove chickens from the chicken animation then they it accidentally removed Jack saying one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> so it's all this confusing shit, and I was really, uh, I didn't realize that that was the case. They would have never called it chicken in, in the first place, but it was just an accident, and then now today we call chickens chickens. So <laughs> Interesting little Tekken Yeah, that's a little, uh, yeah, Tekken history for uh, <laughs> you guys that don't know. I didn't know. I had no idea. I, yeah, mean, <laughs> that's pretty I assumed it was something like that, but I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, that video, uh, well, it was a video. Now it's an audio interview, but um, that's going to be out with this podcast. So check that out. And, um, you know, I I talked to them. We're going to arrange. They're really busy, you know, and they're flying around and shit. So we're going to set it up so they they can get a good uh, block of time where we can have them on the podcast. And I can really get in-depth and really uh, ask the questions I want to ask about Tekken 6 and Tekken Tag 2. So, and also... um, he, you know, I talked to Michael Murray and Harada, and they said they will have an announcement to make on our uh, podcast as well. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, they're going to announce something new about Tekken Tag 2 on the podcast. So I'm very pleased about that. And those guys are both cool as fuck, too, because you can, like, talk shit to them. And they talk <laughs> shit back, and, you know, they got good yeah. attitudes, you know. So, yeah, they get a lot of, uh, they get a lot of respect from me. Um, anyways... That you know, um, that's all the WCG shit and all the all the stuff that went on. By the way, I wanted to uh, give a shout out to some of the foreign players that came by. There, a lot of them were really cool. They had good attitudes, and we were all talking shit. And you know, like <laughs> Genius and Saber Daber and Ricky Mario and all these guys that were here. What's up? What's up? <laughs> no, it was just like this little joke on Thursday that uh, whenever you say Saber Daber, you you gotta just say it in like a surfer voice. I don't. Uh, you're, that's a Dorita bag. You're a homo. Anyway, so, <laughs> so there was. I mean, you know, I was really uh, uh, very pleased uh, to meet a lot of those players, and you know, big shout out to those guys. I hope everyone got home to their, you know, third world countries safe. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> hope they made it back. And um, yeah. So anyway, that said and done, I wanted to move on, and I wanted to talk a little bit about 
tier lists in Tekken because lately it seems to be a very popular topic for other games just to discuss tier lists and how they work and that got me thinking more so than usual how exactly tier lists work in Tekken so um, what I was thinking about is you know in Street Fighter for example the the way people uh, kind of decide who's top tier and who's not is on the numbers. Doing, yeah, yeah, it's it's by doing it kind of scientifically. I mean, I don't know how scientific it is, but um, what they do is uh, it, out of ten games, uh, how many games would this character win against this character? So let's say Ryu versus Sagat, they would say out of ten games, how many games would Ryu win? And do you know what that matchup is, Mike? Just so that uh, I, I believe it's five five now. So. Okay, so it would be let's say Ryu would win five, so then Sagat would win five, and that means it's an even matchup. So, I mean that's how they they add those numbers up, and then they come up with a uh, character tier list, a ranking tier list, and that's not the way it's done in Tekken. Um, there may be many reasons for that, and I mean, I've been playing 3D fighting games for a long time, and that's not really the way it's been done for... I mean, they had a, a, a tier list like that for Soul Calibur 2, but I, there was a lot of argument over it, and I don't yeah. think um, that's a good way to do it for 3D games. I don't um, think it's accurate enough. Yeah, I don't think it's accurate enough. I think maybe the reason for that is maybe because the, the matchups are never really that lopsided, um, possibly because of the third dimension, maybe because you can sidestep and stuff. But and there's no and there's no really like special moves you have to worry about because like Ryu has a fireball. This character can go through fireballs. Okay, it might be a bad matchup for Ryu or something like that. Yeah, I guess that's true. Also, I mean, um, there's such a limited amount of moves in uh, Street Fighter that it's kind of like if you since your character only has like five moves at most. I mean, those moves better match up well against Ryu's Fireball or against, you know, these types of things, and you don't really have much options if they don't, you know? But in 3D games, I mean, you don't have to have a move that beats another move necessarily. You can just beat that move with patience or with movement or with ducking if it's a high or et cetera, et cetera, you know? It's not, it doesn't quite work out in the same way where you put two, it's kind of like you have a hole that's a triangle and you put a triangle through the hole, but you can't fit a circle through that hole. It's like the characters don't have to match up in 3D games as much. And in my opinion, the way um, I classify characters in Tekken is kind of like in a racing game. When you play a racing game and you pick a car, right? Typically, there's like statistics under the car. Oh like, yeah, yeah like like max speed, acceleration, uh, handling, whatever. Yeah, you know, like, like the, mm -hmm, the yeah, mm -hmm, that's, the stats. Exactly the stats, and that's kind of how I think Tekken's uh, tier list is judged. And I, I, after thinking about it for a while, I came came up with six categories that you can judge a character off of. Now, I haven't discussed this with you yet, Mike, so if you have anything to add to this, I'm very interested in what you think, but the okay. um, the categories I came up with is overall damage with walls, overall damage without walls, punishment, useful and or unique moves, movement, and okazemi. I mean, those are the categories that I think define a tier list in Tekken 6. Um, is there anything you feel like I've missed there? Because I think that pretty much covers everything. Hmm, uh, let me see. 
So, wait, say, say the categories again? Sure, sure. Uh, overall damage with and without walls. So that's two okay. different two different ones. Punishment, which I think is very important. Mm-hmm. Useful and unique moves and or unique moves. Movement and Okazemi. Those right. are the categories that I, I, I could think of. I can't really think of anything else that would be so important that it would decide... I guess I guess other oh I guess other things you could kind of take into account is like uh, do they have a good keep out move or yeah that's the that's that, I I figured that would fall into useful or unique moves like for example when I was thinking let's say we're talking about Jack Six right um, Jack Six he's weak in certain categories but his overall damage with and without walls is pretty strong he has high damage his punishment is pretty average it's not great, but it's not extremely weak. His useful and unique moves, though, I think, is where he really shines. He has forward forward one, he has full crouch down back one. Um, I mean, in my opinion, he has some of the really... uh, He has all those throws that do wall damage. I mean, that's pretty unique. And, you know, he has some really effective tools that other characters don't have. And so... That's kind of what keeps him from being shitty, because his movement is terrible, and his punishment is nothing great, but that useful and unique moves category really is, uh, is impressive. So let's, let's pick another character, like um, Asuka. Let's say uh, Asuka, right? Uh, her damage is pretty high, but her punishment is terrible. I mean, it's like yeah. really bad. Her for a ten frame. What does she, she have? Standing one. That's it. Standing one. Nine damage or something like that. <laughs> a twelve frame. She doesn't have anything. It's like standing. What four. four is eleven. So she doesn't have anything for twelve. And then for thirteen frame, I think she has two three. And then after that, it's fifteen frames, right? Yeah. So that's pretty fucking shitty. I mean, yeah. It's either ten, which is a jab, and then and it's a short range jab. And then uh, uh, 13. So that's pretty whack. And then while standing, she doesn't have a while standing Punisher. Yeah. She, she doesn't have a 15-frame while standing Punisher. So that's really, like, an extremely bad category for her. But, uh, and then, I mean, you know, nothing too special. Okazemi, decent. But as far as useful and unique moves, I mean, she has... I think the, the, the thing that she has that's unique is she has so many launchers. Like, she has a shitload of different launchers that are all useful in some way. Um, I think that's unique about her. What What are your thoughts, Mike? Um, yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, uh, I guess also you could kind of take into account that uh, the mix-up category, I guess. If the character has a good mix-up, you know, scary low. That does oh, big 50-50s, damage. huh? Yeah. Yeah, like, that's a good point. Yeah, because yeah, like... Like, because if they have to make a comeback and, you know, they get an opportunity to force a mix-up, um, I guess that, that, that could be a really good one for a character, too, because, you know, if they take the low and does shit damage and, you know, there's nothing really to worry about when they're trying to make, you know, a comeback, then, uh, I don't know, I guess that character's pretty shitty unless they make them whip or something. Yeah, I, that's interesting. Yeah, 50-50 is definitely a good category. But in the case of uh, Asuka, I mean, she doesn't really have... Uh that many good lows. Downback 3 is decent. Downback 4 yeah. is and barely decent. But, yeah, that's definitely a good one. Um, let's say, what's a character with good lows? Uh, Paul? Mm, I guess. I don't know. What's a, all, the, all the characters with good lows in this game, I mean, there aren't any characters with good lows. Fang? I've been playing Fang a lot. He has yeah. a lot of good lows. Yeah, he has a couple solid lows. I think Devil Jin's lows aren't too bad. 
what does he have? Just Hell Sweep and uh, that quick poke. Uh, Domac Two is pretty solid. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That's kind of what is? How fast is that? Nineteen frames? Yeah, it's not like that. It's not too bad. So. Yeah, that's not too bad. Uh, I think in general, uh, I was just reading up about um, human reaction time, and I think in general the human reaction time on average is about 200 milliseconds, which is about 20 frames, mm-hmm. and that's average. So, like a, a Tekken player, but, say, uh, but I guess that also kind of takes into account of uh, what the animation is too. I yeah, mean, yeah. The I character just... looks like yeah, they're completely standing the whole time, and then you know the animation of the move doesn't yeah. actually hit until like you know, the last frame or something, then it's not really going to matter. Yeah, there's two more factors that apply to that number uh, when it comes to fighting games. One of them is, um, let's say it's 20 milliseconds, I'm sorry, 200 mil, uh, milliseconds on average, but that's on average, so we're fighting game players, so you would assume that our reaction time is faster. But the other factor is that we're not just sitting there looking at a red light and waiting for it to turn on and then we shoot button. <laughs> You know, yeah. we're watching a character who's moving in real time, and he has, like, 250 moves. So it's very difficult to react to, you know, first you have to realize that something is happening, then you have to realize what is happening, and then you have to stop it. So I think um, it kind of, it's hard to say exactly how fast something has to be for it to be unseeable, but in my experience, generally speaking, I think that if a low is anywhere between... Uh, up to maybe 20 frames, it's very difficult to see and block. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think there, there I, there's like tons of discussions about like what lows are seeable and what yeah. lows aren't seeable. Yeah. But uh, in my opinion, I, I think it, it mostly depends on uh, animation first. Yeah. And then after that, if it does have a pretty obvious animation, it would have to be like, in my opinion, it's somewhere around like 23, 24 frames to be seeable. 23? That's a lot higher than I would say. Yeah, I think it's um, 23 or 24. I, yeah, the, I think the animation uh, is a huge factor, but I would say uh, somewhere around 20. Um, I don't know. I think 23, 24 is a little bit slow for someone who's, like, really sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, for for example, how fast is uh, Leo's full crouch down forward, what is it, 4? Uh, down forward 3. Down forward 3. How, how uh, fast is that move? Uh, I'm not exactly sure on that move. But, yeah. Oh, no, wait. That, that move's like 24 frames, something like 24. that. 24. Do you think you can see that move? Um, not necessarily, no. <laughs> I yeah, I don't so. think so either. I mean, uh, I don't know. That, that that's, It's hard to say. It, it, I guess it really depends on um, animation and the player, really. that That's really what it depends on. Because it's hard to differentiate when you uh, predicted a move or when you actually literally saw it and blocked it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, definitely 50-50s are a huge factor and uh, in, in tier lists. And, um, you know, that's pretty much the way in Tekken people decide who's top tier and who's not top tier. It's not by... Um, ranking matchups and stuff like that. It's just by statistics. Like, how good is this guy in these car- categories? And, you know, they just factor that in. And this is the, the reason, I think, why there's so much argument over who's good and who's not, and so many people agree and disagree on what characters are good and what characters are not good. Because there isn't really a, a surefire scientific way to do it. 
in mm-hmm. Tekken. No, I'm not saying that it's very scientific in Street Fighter either, because it's still opinion. I mean, you yeah. know, if, if you and I are talking about how good E Honda is against Abel, we're still just using our opinion. I mean, whatever. Let's say I say it's a seven-three matchup for Honda. You know, what the fuck do I know? Maybe I'm an idiot. You know? Yeah. You, you know, there's a lot of assholes out there that don't know what the fuck they're talking about, and they're not really qualified to yeah, make that's... these uh, make these. Uh, decisions and make these statements, you know, so it's kind of a slippery slope, but, um, yeah, that's really the, the way to, the way to decide whether, uh, your character is strong or not. I mean, I guess, um, we should talk a little bit about who we think top tier is in Tekken 6. What are, do you know who, uh, you think the top five are? Um, top five. I definitely say Brian. Brian Law, Brian Law Lars. Do you still think Lily is top five? I remember you used to think she was the best. Uh, no, I, I think she's like, I think she's somewhere like uh, borderline top ten. I think that's about it. Interesting. I have a, I actually have a tier list that I've made out, um, and I do it like uh, A B C D E F. And in my opinion, A tier is Steve, Brian, Law, Lily, and Lars. Mm-hmm. And then B tier, and this is not like top ten, but this is just in the B tier, is Bob, Lee, Julia, Nina, Elisa, Bruce, and Devilgen. Mm-hmm. And then C tier... Uh, i probably put Devilgen in my top five, too. Oh, really? You think he's top five? A tier? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. That, that's another thing I wanted to mention is there are actually two types of tier lists. There's the, you know, there's a tier list where on paper this character is potentially hella fucking good. And that's like Brian is really uh, by far the best character in the game on paper. Um, also, like, Devilgen would be a very, very good character on paper. But it's just very hard to execute that. Yeah, it? you have to kind of... And then there's the the one in reality, you know? And it's you kind of have to factor in the human Player element. And, you know. Exactly. So, I mean, if you factor in the human element, I mean, some of these characters, they really get reduced. Their strength gets reduced. For example, Armor King. I mean, I play Armor King uh, a lot, and... I think on paper, Armor King is B-tier, but, you know, in reality, if you can't get a 14-frame dark uppercut all day, you know, he's not really that good anymore. Um, and, and, and that's really the case with a lot of characters. You know, there's, there's some things that are very, very hard to do consistently, and that thing is what makes a character really good on paper. So, I mean, overall, most people say br- they think that Brian is top-tier still, but I would say that Brian is probably in a top five. In the top five, I think he's probably fifth best. So he's at like he's barely top five if you factor in just the human element in general. I mean, there aren't very many people on the planet who can nail taunt jet upper above eighty percent. You know, not many people on the whole fucking planet. So. I don't know. I mean, I I really don't think that he's as good as most people say in uh, in actual actual gameplay. And what's funny is Mr. Naps, he's told me that he thinks Brian is like the eighth best character in the game. Really? Yeah. In in reality, like in an actual, he's a very intelligent guy, by the way, and he thinks that Brian is the eighth best character in the game if you factor in the human element. So, 
I mean, I don't know if I agree with him completely, but I do think that people think Brian is a lot better than he is because they're just factoring him in on paper. Um, I think that that character's strengths get reduced a lot when, when you think about who's playing them and how good they are. You can't just base it on me, you know? It's not, it doesn't work that way, you know? <laughs> knee is not Brian. Knee is knee, and he utilizes Brian to that level. But you can't just say, oh, everyone's going to do that. And even he fucks that shit up sometimes, you know? I've watched him, you know, just over the last weekend, we were watching WCG. He, I watched that guy drop hella combos and fuck up a bunch of shit, you know? So, you know, you gotta. it's kind of like a fine line between the character on paper and then the character in real life, in actuality. And I feel like this isn't really the... This doesn't exist in Street Fighter. So it's kind of a unique thing with Tekken. Um, anyway, I was saying I was just going to go over my uh, my opinion of the tiers. Uh, in C tier, I put uh, Paul, Leo, Miguel, Ling, Lei, Armor King, Heihachi, Roger, Jack, and Kazuya. Mm-hmm. In D tier, I have Fang, Eddie, Christy, uh, Anna, Horang, Bek, King, Wang, and Dragonoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, e tier, I have Raven, Jin, Asuka, Marduk, Kuma and Zafina, and then my favorite F tier, and that's <laughs> that's <laughs> where Yoshi. <laughs> no, it's Yoshi and Ganryu. I put Ganryu in there, but I know you think Ganryu is a lot better than I do, right? Um, he's he, he's better than Yoshi, but he's not that much better, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. Like these these, uh, I have A through F on my tier list, but you know, I've you know, I've been to Japan twice, and I've watched a lot of people play, and. You know, this game is really balanced overall, and just because Yoshi is in F doesn't mean some random asshole in Japan isn't going to kick the shit out of me for fucking 18 games straight, me and Rip, you know? So, you know, that kind of shit will happen. You know, in a good, good, solid, balanced game, you still have to have tiers, but it's not really that big of a deal. You know, dedication and, you know, study, do your homework, and, you know... Yeah, 15,000 wins, 10,000 losses is all you need. Definitely true. You can be good with any character as long as you put the time in, in this game. And that's why I like this game so much, and I complimented Harada on that uh, when I saw him. So I was very happy uh, to have that have that conversation with him. And yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of shitty if, like, you really love one character, and then uh, you realize, oh, man, I might have run into this other character in a tournament, so you kind of have to pick up the secondary. That's exactly. Kind of, that's exactly. kind of a heartbreaker, man. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And, you know... Growing up when I was younger, I before I had kind of decided that this is the mentality I want to have, where like you know I want to pick one character and stick stick with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what to think yet. And when I was younger, in Soul Calibur 2, when I was really starting to play competitively, mm-hmm. I didn't know what character to pick, and I played like three or four different characters. And people have asked me what I think about that. And personally, I think the best thing to do is to pick one character and have one tournament character that you will never falter from. Even if you want to pick another character, you still pick this one character. Um, I know you don't agree with me because you have, like, multiple characters that you play in tournament, uh, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this. But personally, I think that um, when you play more than one character, you're dividing your skills between these characters. You cannot play each one as good as you would play one on their own. Um... And for that reason, I think that you should stick with one. Now, that is in this game. Uh, and that 
I don't want people listening to this to think that I'm saying don't play other characters. Like, you know, at all. I play a shitload of characters, and I know you play almost every character. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, we play characters to learn how the character works, and, like, you know, for fun, and just in general, we play all kinds of characters. I mean, I play Miguel, Wang, Armor King, I'm playing Fang a lot right now. Uh, I mean, we play, and you play, like, every fucking character in the game, so, I mean, it's not like I'm saying don't play other characters. In fact, I encourage that, but what I'm saying is, in tournament, in tournament yeah. when it's for all the fucking marbles, you gotta play that one character that you are like, you know, the most comfortable with, and even when you feel like, ah, shit, you know, my character's not that good against Lars, you know, you still gotta stick with it, because, you know, with homework and practice, in a good game like Tekken 6, you'll be able to manage, you'll be able to win, even in quote-unquote bad matchups, so I would, I would highly recommend just focusing all your attention on one character as far as competitive gameplay. Now, what are your thoughts? I know you can't agree. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, well, back then I guess I didn't. I agreed a little less, but uh, I don't know. I think you know, like like we said, not not tournament wise. I think playing every character could be a great benefit Absolutely. to understanding like what you got to do. You know, the characters' ranges, uh, you know, general punishment. If he could, if this guy's punisher reaches your character's, you know, one move on block or something like that, that could all come into play. But um. I don't know, lately, lately I've been just trying to stick with one character as well in tournament, but, um, I don't know, like, uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes the little element of, uh, the unknown might help out in tournament, but that's also kind of a gamble, because, uh, you know, you never know if, you know, should I switch this character, and is that even gonna work? Is that, am I just gonna be throwing away a game? Yeah, so, that, that's, that's one of the things I wanted to say, The one of the worst feelings when it comes to is not being sure of what fucking what to do that's like or what you should have done the yeah. worst feeling is when you're playing right and you lose the first game and you decide to switch characters and then you lose that game it's like should i have switched characters how would i have done if i didn't switch characters i mean that feeling is terrible and i decided a long time ago that i don't want to have that feeling anymore so if i'm really trying to if i'm playing in a tournament that really counts and I'm really trying to win, I would definitely just stick to one character. Yeah, and, pl- and also, like, playing one character for, let's say, like, fucking ten years or something, yeah. you kind of build your own style and what to do in clutch situations. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Like, like, you never know. With like, maybe Lars was out for, like, ten years and I was playing him for that long. It's like, maybe I'll get, like, an instinct. Of doing like a four one plus two at very clutch moments, you never know, you know. Yeah, I, that's that's definitely what happens, you know. And I I don't think it's possible to get to that clutch level with multiple characters. I mean, it's possible, I guess, but it's not common and it's not like yeah, after after so long, it just becomes like autopilot, you know. You don't have yeah. to think; you just do it, you know. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, that's that's what I wanted to cover on tier lists as far as. Um, as far as Tekken goes, I mean, I know it's kind of unique, and most people coming from other games just kind of may think, well, that's kind of weird and random and not scientific, but that's kind of the way Tekken works in terms of tier lists, and if you think, I mean, if you honestly think that tier lists in Street Fighter are extremely scientific, then you're a retard, because, you know, <laughs> even even when you try and apply some kind of uh, science to a tier list, no matter what, it's always going to be opinion. You know, yeah. th- there's no yeah. way to quantify 
this stuff. You know, it's always going to be what we visually see, and then just our opinion. I, I forgot. I forgot where I heard this quote from, but uh, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty accurate. I think they said uh, a tier list is just a snapshot in, snapshot of the game in time at the current time of how the characters played at that certain time. Yeah, I mean that's time. that's also a huge factor. I mean, games evolve like crazy, and you know, tier lists change completely, completely. Um, this reminds me of Soul Calibur 2. When, I f- when, when the game first came out, and we, everyone was playing that game, Valdo versus Nightmare was like an 8-2 matchup in Nightmare's favor. I mean, it was like, like impossible to beat that character. But after four years of playing that game and doing all the research and study, it turned completely around. And I think Valdo versus Nightmare was an 8-2 in favor of Valdo. So... <laughs> That, I mean, it's not going to be very often where the the you know the the difference changes that much, but I mean that's a perfect example, and I know it firsthand from experience that you know with time, with study, and with the evolution of the game, matchup charts will completely change. So that is another factor that that you have to consider. Um, you know, yeah, you're right. I I don't I, I've heard that quote before too, but I don't know exactly where. Uh, who said it, but that's definitely true. That's definitely a, a factor, and, um, you know, tier lists, are, it's, a, it's an interesting topic, I think, and it's it's one of those topics that you can meet people and discuss with someone new, and it's always going to be interesting, because everyone has their own opinion, um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I, lo- I love balanced games, and Tekken 6 is uh, yeah, almost as balanced as it gets. <laughs> yeah, really, really, especially without any kind of universal defense, there's no like universal guard impact or universal parry or well some people say that the uh, you know universal uh thing is rage mode so i don't know yeah but that's not i mean even rage mode is not um it's universal but it's really not universal because some characters can really take advantage of it better than other characters yeah. so you know even that even though it's universal in a sense it, it doesn't work universally like as far <laughs> as balance goes you know, so, I don't know, I mean, I, you know, I'm just interested in what they're going to do with it in uh, Tekken Tag 2. And, dude, what about tier lists in Tekken Tag 2? That shit's going to be impossible. I mean, what the fuck? Especially because it's not like Tekken Tag 1 where they, you know, the character leaves the screen. So there really will be combos that these characters can do together that are really unique. Yeah. So, man... It's going to be really hard for them to balance that game correctly, I think, and, you know, only time will tell, but anyway, I just wanted to move on. Um, first of all, uh, after after um, meeting all these players from different countries and shit, uh, I got a lot of compliments, and there's apparently a lot of fans in these goofy-ass European countries that, you know, <laughs> listen to the podcast, and they're all fans of the podcast and shit, so I, I want to thank all those guys, and, you know, I would have never thought that we have fans, like, in fucking Finland, and in fucking, you know, weird-ass Spain, or whatever, you know, that's really cool, you know, so, um, thanks to those guys, and I wanted to answer, answer a couple of uh, questions people had, uh, had left in the comments of the previous podcast. Speaking of which, man, the comments have gone through the roof. I mean, really? people are, yeah, there's like 67 comments and like 
people are getting in mini arguments because all I do is talk <laughs> shit about something and then like I don't elaborate on it. So I'll call something gay and then they'll be like, "Oh man, why is?" Oh man, didn't wasn't there a lot of a lot of hate for you saying that Pat Slayer like gay in the last? Yeah, time? people are like, "Oh, why are Pad Slayers gay?" And all people and then some people are like, "Oh, Airstick's Pad's gay. I'm gonna start playing on arcade stick." I'm like, dude, <laughs> come on, man. Just because I don't like something doesn't mean you have to not do it you know you should be like fuck Eris you know I'll do whatever I want you know that's the the attitude you should have this is just my opinion you know and just because okay let's just put it this way it's my opinion and I am right but (laughs) you you have every right to do what is wrong and go ahead and use you know you use whatever you want you know I'm just giving my opinion but there's a couple questions I wanted to uh, answer let's see here Rhino asks uh Will Tekken 6 still be played in tournaments after Tekken Tag 2 is out? And the reason he says that is because Tekken Tag 1 was still played for a couple years after Tekken 4 came out. Um, Typically, uh, for 3D games in a franchise, when the new one comes out, no matter how bad it is and no matter how good the last one was, it kills the last one. Now, in the case of Tekken Tag 1 and Tekken 4... Tekken Tag 1 was so, like, well-received by the community, and Tekken 4 was so different and not as well-received that they kept Tekken Tag 1 around because it was just so unique and different and good, and Tekken 4 was just completely different, almost as though it was, like, a side game. Like, it was the difference between, you know, Street Fighter 3, Third Strike, and Capcom versus SNK 2. Just a huge difference, you know? So they kept that around, but that, I think, is an anomaly. And typically in 3D games, every time there's a new sequel out or a new game out in the franchise, it always kills the last one. Um, And a good example of this is Soul Calibur 2 and Soul Calibur 3. Soul Calibur 3 was just a steaming pile of dog shit. And Soul Calibur 2 was just an extremely good, well-received, fantastic game. But... Regardless of that fact, and it was, like, unanimous. Most people didn't like Part 3. It didn't matter. Soul Calibur 2 was dead. It just was crushed. Um, So if I had to make a prediction, I would say that Tekken Tag 2 would kind of kill Tekken 6. Uh, Assuming it's a good game, assuming it's received well, I highly doubt that Tekken 6 would be played uh, competitively, once Tekken Tag 2 is out. What are your thoughts, Mike? Um, the thing about that, too, is that uh, Tekken Tag 2, I'm going to assume, is going to be out in the arcade for a while, and the only console Tekken is going to be Tekken 6, so it might still be... I mean, Tekken 6 might still you know, live to the end of that year, mm-hmm. but uh, other than that, well, as soon as Tekken Tag 2 comes out on console, Tekken 6 is going to be gone, so... Yeah, I, I, I have that feeling as well. Just because that's the way history is, and typically history repeats itself, so um, I think that's probably the case. Anyway, moving on, um, let's see here. Uh, Martin Mills is uh, commenting on me saying that pad players are gay and stuff, and he's asking uh, what I would recommend or we would recommend for uh, Arcade Stick. Now, there are so many options, and I could go on forever about this shit, but if you are a beginning uh, arcade stick user and you want something that's good quality and you don't want to spend too much money because you don't know if you're going to actually like it, I would recommend one of the older Hori Real Arcade Pros because right now you can find those, you know, for like 70 or 80 bucks new, and that's pretty good, like, that's really high quality shit for 70 or 80 bucks. You know, it's older in terms of uh, 
technology and style and shit, but if you don't know what you're going to like, just grab one of the older Hori Real Arcade Pros. Even if it's a PS2 one, just get a converter. If not, you could get one of the real, the PS3 Real Arcade Pros and, you know, give it a try. I mean, it's a good quality stick. The case uh, is just like a, you know, a great case and they have good quality parts. Um, if you if you have a little bit more money, you can't beat the Super Street Fighter 4 TE stick. That's a great stick. Uh, if you have a lot more money, then you could go with the Hori <laughs> Vulix stick. Um, but if you're just trying it out, I would go with one of the older H-Raps. 70 bucks. Uh, sticks you want to stay away from is that Tekken 6 wireless stick. And, um, you know, there's a few sticks out there that have wacky arcs. And a lot of the shitty low-end Hori sticks, those are no good. Um, just stick to quality. Anything that has sandwich parts usually is a decent stick. Um, and if you have, um, you know, some skills in terms of modding, um, my personal favorite Hori case is the Tekken 5 Anniversary stick, because the you art... You can still find those, right? Yeah, you can, I'm looking at four of them right now on my bookshelf, but <laughs> you can, you can find them every now and then. Those, those are my favorite cases. They require a little bit of work to mod, you have to file off some shit, and remove the art and all that stuff, but those are great cases, so if you know what you're doing in the stick department, those are really cool, but is there anything you would recommend that I've missed, Mike? Uh, I mean, those are all Japanese sticks. I mean, if you want to try out a Korean stick, I guess you could do that, but uh, acquiring one is kind of a lot more difficult, so... Requiring one or acquiring one? Acquiring. You're starting to sound like those WCG commentators, dude. Yeah, in the red light. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, the the case stick's another, uh, another option, uh, typically, they're a little bit more expensive and harder to get, like you said. Um, I'm not personally a big fan, but I know you use one, right, Mike? Yeah, I, I, I use one, but uh, I think I think they're generally better for Tekken because uh, it's easier to move on them, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't well, know. That's just my opinion, so it's like... That's your opinion and the opinion of every Korean player. <laughs> preference. <laughs> Well, not every Korean player, but, you know. What, what fucking Korean player in Korea likes Japanese sticks? I think Ace, you know, Ace, uh, Jisoo Moon Face or whatever. Oh, Jisoo Moon Face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He likes Japanese sticks? Yeah, he, I remember reading in an article, like, not an article, interview a while ago that he huh. said he likes Japanese sticks. Wow, interesting. That happens to be one of my favorite Korean players because of his, uh, his, his handle. Uh, handle. Okay, so just <laughs> so people know, his real handle is what, Jimun Ace? Uh, uh, Jisamunes, yeah. Jisamunes, and uh, <laughs> we call him Jismoon Face. So, <laughs> so he's one of my favorites. Anyway, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of options out there, but my favorites are Hori Sticks, and it all ma- it all depends on how much money you want to spend on it. I mean, um, low end is those old ones, like I said, and then Mad Cats is the middle tier, and then the top end is you know the Vulix Stick, which is really good. So. You know, there's a lot of choices. Do some homework and uh, uh don't and also like when you're first starting out, just kind of practice a lot on the stick and don't really blame the stick at first. You know, it's kind of it's probably just you trying to learn the stick more than the stick itself. So. Yeah, most sticks work exactly the way they're supposed to work, and <laughs> it's a user issue. I mean, everyone always bitches, "Oh, my stick's fucked up," but let's keep it real, dude. That shit works perfectly. You're just an idiot. So, <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, let's see what this guy's name is. Mick Yabalo. 
Mikiabalo, something like that. Right. <laughs> He's asking us to elaborate why we think ringouts are shitty in fighting games. So, because uh, we mentioned that that would really suck if they add ringouts. I, it was partially as a joke, um, but it definitely would suck if they add ringouts in Tekken Tag uh, yeah. 2. Um, now, I've played competitively in Soul Calibur, and so I know how to deal with ringouts, and in that game, I don't mind it much at all. I mean, it's just... There's, like, other factors, too, like air control and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, if you could if you could juggle the way you can juggle in Tekken and just knock them out of the ring from anywhere, I mean, that would be retarded. I don't even know why I'm answering this question, pretty much. I mean, it would just be retarded in Tekken. In other games, it's acceptable, I guess. Um... I don't know exactly how they work in Virtual Fighter because I haven't played that game since Virtual Fighter 4, but um, I I just don't like the concept as much as I do walls in general. And um, yeah, I mean they're okay in Soul Calibur 2. I I didn't say they're shitty in any game. I just think that there's no reason to fuck up Tekken. I mean it's it's cool art and it has such unique factors with the way the movement works and the way walls work and you know it's just really unique, and there's no reason to throw something ridiculous in it that's just gonna yeah, fuck like it up. Yeah, like fucking random cars running you over. And <clears throat> yeah, like exactly. I remember back when um, Tekken 6 was announced, and they said that they're gonna have item moves. I was saying that it would be tight if Armor King could just jump in a car, and that would be his <laughs> item move. He would just, like, run over Alisa and shit, and fucking fuck this bitch. Just run him over. But, yeah, I mean, and then I was making fun of, uh, before they announced Tekken Tag 2, I was talking to Harada, and I was like, what are you guys going to announce? Because he was saying it's not Tekken 7. And he was joking and saying that it's going to be Death by Degrees 2. <laughs> and I was saying, yeah, right, what you should do is do Tekken kart racing and have fucking yeah. banana peels and turtle shells and shit. So. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, actually. <laughs> <clears throat> You're a homo, dude. That would not be cool. Waste of time. Uh, let's see. Who else is asking shit? Um... Armor King Nage, this guy says, uh, what are the personal pros and cons and are obvious hardships when trying to pick up a new ca uh, character competitively? What do you think, Mike? Um, it's a lot, I think we covered this already. It's going to be a long road, you know. <laughs> it's like you were talking about picking up Fang in an earlier episode. Yeah. It's like the years of tournament play that you're going to have to sacrifice just to get to a tournament level with one character is... Uh, gonna be a while so if you want to go that route and if you're really sure you want to pick up the secondary yeah i mean you you have to decide what the reasons are for picking up a secondary i mean why are you uh dropping your main and stuff but it takes a lot of work man i mean you know i'm struggling right now it fucking sucks when you're a halfway decent player and you know you know you can beat these people but you're losing to them because it's a character that you're not good with so i mean it's a lot of frustration and it's a lot of, you know, losing over and over and just, like, you know, come realizing what the problems with this new character is and working around them just takes for fucking ever, you know? So, yeah. I mean, you know, it just depends on how much uh, fun you think that is. I happen to think it's pretty fun. So, and I, I don't have a major tournament to go to until Dallas, and I'm pretty sure I'm, sure I'm going to make it to Dallas. So, uh, I have some time to fuck around before I have to get back to... You know, back to business. Back to business and shit. When is uh, uh, DC, Mike? Uh, it's on the 15th, I believe. Yeah, it's coming up, so uh, you better be practicing up. Are you going to go oh. to Wednesday Night Fights? 
and uh, I'm too broke for that, but I have been practicing up quite a bit lately. You better be. You better be, man. I want to see. Uh, I want to see. I'm going to be watching the stream, so I want to be uh, seeing that. Though you know what I don't like about the MLG stream is the uh, they don't have a chat. Yeah, other than the obvious fucking ads, but they don't have a fucking chat room. Yeah. What's up with that? I'm trying to make all my racist jokes and shit, and I can't even make them. You know, it's like. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. But um, anyway, so that's pretty much what I wanted to cover today. I know uh, people are waiting for the Harada interview, and like I said, there's uh, I took that short interview with them at WCG, and we're we're getting the logistics together. We're figuring it out. We're gonna figure out exactly when they're gonna come on and how it's gonna work because you know it's gonna be difficult if I just ask questions on the spot for Harada. So we're gonna figure it out. They're gonna be on soon, and uh, just hold your fucking horses, everybody. They're on their way. In the meantime, check out that interview with Harada, and unless you have anything else to add, Mike, we can pretty much conclude this episode. No, that's pretty much about it. Uh, just, you know, shout-outs again to uh, BL Gaming for hooking me up for MLG, and that's pretty much about it, guys. Yeah, congratulations again for getting sponsored, and I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to uh, watching you play. <laughs> All right, everybody. Go fuck yourselves. I got to myself.